from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Lisa Moray on October 3, 2016. Lisa started out in life as a writer and then found the audio medium much more suitable in which to work with. She has taken the interviews from this program, A Baha'i Perspective, categorized segments from many of the interviews, and then spliced together segments from different interviews but on the same theme. She presents these segments in a venue simulating a cafe. Thus, she calls the work Cafe Baha'i, and more specifically, Spiritual Journeys. You can find Spiritual Journeys on her website, cafebaha'i.com. On her website, she also presents her audiobook work. I include samples from both Spiritual Journeys and her audiobook work in the interview. I started the interview by asking Lisa where she grew up. And what was it like growing up there? I grew up in a blue-collar steel town that's downriver from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, the whole area was full of second-generation immigrants, most of them from Eastern Europe and Italy. Mine came from the U.K. and Wales. I don't remember this rich mix of cultures as a problem like you hear about today, but it was a wonderful area to grow up in. And what was religious life like growing up? I was raised Baptist. I see in your bio that you're a writer, and I was wondering if you had that inclination early on growing up. I think I caught the bug when I was about in junior high school. I had a friend, a mm -hmm. close friend, who moved away to Minneapolis. And instead of just writing letters back and forth, I would write her stories. I learned to type on my mother's old Underwood a manual typewriter, and to this day, I still hunt and peck, and I, I hit the keys really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might explain why I do that on my computer, because I learned on a, on, on a manual typewriter, yeah. uh, and, I, and I tend to really bang on the keys, and that, that's the first time I realized, well, maybe that's the, that's the reason. Well, thank you for enlightening me. When was it that you uh, ran into the Baha'i Faith? I first heard the name Baha'i, I guess, in a radio interview that was done by Seals and Crofts. Now I'm dating myself. <laughs> but that interview made no great impression on me. And I would have to say about a year or so later, I met two Baha'is at the college I was attending. And uh, this fellow was wearing a button on his shirt and said, Baha'i Faith. And I says, ah, Seals and Crofts, tell me about it. That's a fatal question. But just listening to the way he answered my questions and he gave me a couple of small books to read, it all made sense. And I thought, well, if there is a, a loving God, these would be the teachings. So I, I signed on. It's interesting that people from all walks of life encounter the Baha'i faith and become a Baha'i in one manner or another. So it's kind of interesting in the fact that you were not in any kind of religious search but you coming across it from just the perspective of it makes sense, therefore, why not become a Baha'i? 
But I guess I have a question, you know, prayer is a central aspect of the Baha'i faith. Was that the case in your life before you became a Baha'i, and was there some kind of adjustment in that regard? It was a big adjustment because when I started talking to these Baha'is, I have to admit that I didn't believe in God at that point. I had thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And I was definitely a searcher, although I didn't realize it at the time. So when it came to the question of prayer, the main fellow who was teaching me the faith gave me a little prayer book. And I says, oh, I, I can't do this. I, I really, really don't believe in God. Who am I going to pray to? That just felt really uncomfortable with me. And he says, well, just read them. Just, just say them out loud. I remember the, there's a prayer that starts out with a line, create in me a pure heart, oh my God. And the last two lines really hit me. It was a reference to God and it said, O thou who art the most manifest of the manifest and the most hidden of the hidden. I mean, those two lines about God being both hidden and manifest, again, kind of made sense. I didn't see God. It doesn't mean that he was there. He was just hidden from me at that point. So I'd have to say that, that prayer was a portal for faith for me. After college, did you get right into being a professional writer? I did. I got my first job in a small town in central Pennsylvania. The Baha'is there were trying to form what we call a local spiritual assembly, and they needed two more people. Uh, we need at least nine people to form that assembly. After college, I moved there and got a job at the local newspaper, so I was in business. Did you do any other kind of writing in addition to or other than newspaper writing? Yes, I wrote for a couple magazines. I kind of got tired of working for newspapers, and I stepped over into magazines. I was hired as a staff writer for a farm magazine, of all things. I did not have a farm background. I really enjoyed that job because I really fell in love with agriculture, and I sensed what an incredible business it is with risk and the scientific knowledge and the mechanical knowledge. And I mean, there's so many skills that are required to be successful in agriculture these days. It was just a, a wonderful field to be writing about, and I really enjoyed that. What was the other magazine? Well, then I went back to newspapers, and then I mm. actually um, I came to Florida at that point, and I wanted to get back into agriculture because that's what I really enjoyed. So I actually went back to school here in Florida where I am and got a degree in, in horticulture with a uh, emphasis on citrus. And I started writing for a number of farm magazines, national farm magazines. Are you still doing that to this day? No, I only did that for about three years before I quit writing. I got tired of it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your entry into the other medium, which would be audio recording? That was my segue into audio, yes. When uh, I was in college, I didn't write for the college newspaper like most of my fellow students did. I actually went to the radio station, just because the people at the radio station were a lot more fun. So I had my own radio show every Monday night, covered the student council and that sort of thing, which was good experience for me. It also showed me that I didn't have a very good voice. <laughs> oh, it sounds nice to me. <laughs> you enjoyed radio, but you felt that writing was the better calling for you? Writing, writing paid the bills. I see. 
Okay, so tell me about your transition into audio. How did how did that work? Like I said, I was tired of writing, but I still had the skills, the writing skills, the editing skills, the organizational skills. And being a Baha'i for a long time, I found myself listening to a professional recording of the New Testament. I wish I remember the fellow's name. But it was a very well-done production. The guy who was reading the narrative was very good, but... What grabbed my interest, I suppose, is the little special effects that they had in the background. And I remembered the part in Matthew where Jesus is giving his sermon on the mount. And you could hear these, just very subtle in the background, you could hear these women weeping. And it just hit me, wow, I never had imagined, even as a Christian, what it had been like to hear Christ preaching firsthand. Mm-hmm. And it just made me burst out in tears. In fact, at that time, Mm. a friend of mine called me on the phone, like, why are you crying? He says, oh, I'm listening (laughs) to the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) But it made me realize that the Baha'is have such wonderful writings, and we don't have anything Mm. like that. We don't have any Mm. good readings, recordings with good sound design behind it that really bring the word alive. I guess that's the day I decided that somebody had to start doing it, so that would be me. So what was your first project? My first project was, there's a a website called LibriVox.com where people, they upload readings of their poetry, their favorite books or whatever. It all has to be copyright free. There's a fella in London who had, his name escapes me right now, but he had recorded and uploaded Thornton Chase's book in Galilee. And that was an account of his pilgrimage to Haifa in 1907. Let's give a little background. So Thornton Chase is considered the first American Baha'i who became a Baha'i, I guess, around the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century from the 19th century. And so he was one of the first Baha'is to make pilgrimage to Haifa, Israel, which became the center of the Baha'i world because of the chance in which the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith was exiled from Persia to the Ottoman Empire, which ended up becoming part of Israel and became a holy place or the holy place for Baha'is. Thornton Chase, being a new Baha'i, wanted to make pilgrimage to the Baha'i holy place where, at the time, Baha'u'llah's son, Abdul Baha, was head of the faith. And I guess what you're saying is this book in Galilee. It was actually Um, written and published before there was any copyright laws. Interesting. And so I had the I had the audacity to abridge the book. (laughs) (laughs) And um, because there were some things in there were kind of a little old fashioned. So I abridged the book and added a little bit of music and that sort of thing, break it up a little bit. And that was my first attempt to do an audio project. And then Mm. another one that I did was an audio version of the 1992 statement called Baha'u'llah, His Life and Work. I made an audio book of that as well. A friend of mine had actually recorded it a couple years earlier, so I asked him if I could play with it, and he said, sure. So that was my second little audio book project. That came out pretty well, Mm. so I was encouraged by those early, early works. So how long have you been doing this audio work? I'd say about since 2010. I Mm -hmm. turned to 
your work, Warren, because I'm one of your greatest fans. <laughs> I love your, <laughs> well, I thank love you. Your, I love your podcast. And being where I am in Central Florida, it's a rural area, and I feel rather isolated. So listening to your interviews always reminded me that I really was associated with something that was big and important. Hmm. Your podcast was great therapy for me. <laughs> that ended up being the project called Spiritual Journeys, right? That's correct. A spiritual journey. So tell us about that. Your interviews are very good. In almost every interview, somebody had a really good story or a really good comment or just a phrase sometimes. It was just like a little gem. And so I decided, geez, if somebody would just go through all those interviews that Warren has put together and sift out those gems, it would be kind of cool. So I decided, okay, I'm going to try that. So I went to your archive page, and I downloaded 300 interviews. <laughs> and it took me three years to go through them. And what I was doing is looking for those little gems, and depending on the topic they, that they seemed to be addressing, I just shuttled them in the different folders by topic. And at the end of three years, I had about 80 different folders with similar topics, you know, I mean, with excerpts of similar topics in each folder. And then I just opened the folder and I started playing them. And that's what gave me the idea of Cafe Baha'i, which is, it was just like you were on a fly on a wall and listening to all these different voices, reflecting all these different accents, talking about the similar, a similar subject. And then I started piecing them together, kind of like pearls on the string and just kind of made a conversation out of it. And it just seemed like mm. this is what you would hear if you were, you know, sitting in a coffee shop and overhearing, you know, the table next door of these Baha'is just talking about various aspects of their faith. And I mm. thought it was a good way to share something about the faith with people that wasn't preaching. It wasn't directed at anybody. It didn't reflect any sort of agenda. It was just people talking about their faith. It seemed like a good little model to work with. So I ran with it. Can you give us some ideas of some of the uh, categories that you created? You know, I should have been ready for this question. <laughs> there were just so many. You know, when there's so many things, you have, uh, there was stories of people, how they found the faith. There were stories, people mm -hmm. talking about race relations. There were stories about education. There were stories about their travels, the stories about how they shared the faith with other people. It just went on and on and mm -hmm. on to different topics. So you picked out a sample of your work in regards to Cafe Baha'i. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what we're going to play here. What I sent you was a file called Creation. Spiritual Journeys is actually a stealthy presentation of something we call Anna's Conversation, which was developed uh, over the years as a model conversation that you might have with someone who was interested in hearing the basics about the faith. So what I did is I went through all those little little gems that I had collected and built them around this model conversation because I had to organize all this material around something. So this presentation, giving the basics of the faith, is what Spiritual Journeys became. And most of the files mm. run about 8 to 10 minutes. I didn't want to keep them too long. So they're small, digestible right. pieces. So this one is, a, I think you said it was a two-minute sample, and you're saying it's from the category of creation. Well, that's the topic, yeah. 
that's the topic. All right, so uh, why don't we play that? The Baha'is agree with the traditional religions. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We buy that. But we believe he did it through an evolutionary process. If the Big Bang is what it is, we're, we have no problem with that. We'd only say who lit the fuse. Having been created is a gift in and of itself. And we should seize every moment. Recently, in the past three or four years, that phrase, all the worlds of God, have been coming up for me. All the worlds of God. I, I just say, you know, if you don't believe in God, look at an orchid. Really look at the geometry, the architecture, the, I mean, I run out of words, I can't. The beauty is the truth. The ugliness is the distortion of the truth. Baha'u'llah indicates that the worlds of God are more numerous than the grains of sand on a beach. Put that one in your pipe and smoke it. We were created for a reason. And we've been progressively, continually pulled ever forward towards a greater destiny, even now, even today. Where can people find these conversations? Well, I just launched a, a website of my own, which is a story in itself. It took me about a year mm -hmm. to put it together because it's something way out of my comfort zone. Um, but it's called CafeBahai.com. You'll see a, a couple of my audio projects that I've put together, as well as the spiritual journeys, which is, again, I like to describe it as the best of a Baha'i Perspective podcast. The beauty of audio is it's, it's good for people who don't like to read, who don't have time to read, or wouldn't be caught dead reading a religious pamphlet. Okay, Most people have some mm -hmm. kind of access to audio devices, be they their, their phones, MP3 player, their home computers. They can listen while they're commuting, while they're walking the dog, or just sitting home in the dark. And everybody is sprouting earbuds these days. So I thought that audio was a good medium to try to share something about the Baha'i faith with folks. I think it is because I know my son, he's a UPS driver. One of the best things he loves about his work is that he can listen to podcasts all day long and listen to stuff that's inter that interests him. So uh, I think you're, you're right in that regard that it's a very attractive medium for people to learn about different things that interest them. You also sent me a sample of, I guess it's an excerpt from an audio book. Oh, um, I forgot which one. Yeah, let me tell you about the uh, first long audio book I actually did. I would say it was a couple years ago, I'd say about three or four years ago, I tripped across an email from a fella in Guam. His name was David Yamartino, and he had just published this wonderful book about the faith that details how the Baha'i writings dovetail with the biblical references to the return of Christ, which is always a favorite subject of mine. And the announcement about this book coming out mentioned that an audio version would soon be forthcoming. So, again, I had the audacity 
did get in touch with David through email, and, and I asked him if he needed any help with his audio project. And I guess my call to him struck him as some kind of a miracle or something. <laughs> he had a reader lined up, but he had no idea how to proceed with the recording or the production of his, his audio book. The reader was a lady by the name of Mary Weiler, who happened to be from Pittsburgh. So we were... Oh, my goodness we were, gracious. We were fast friends. So by email alone, we worked out a system, and she began sending me attachments of her recordings. And I put them all together and made her sound really good. And that book mm -hmm. is called The Second Coming, Understanding the Biblical Evidence that Christ Has Returned. The book is available from Amazon.com. I actually made two versions of the audiobook. One is available on his website, which is called reasontogether.com. The other one I, I made for myself. I, the reason I made a second version is Mary was just reading the entire book, you know, and there was a lot of quotes from the Bible, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, from various Baha'i writings. And it got a little clunky with quote and unquote, quote and unquote, because you mm. can't hear quotes. <laughs> Again, yeah. I like to use different voices in my pieces. So I actually found a couple recordings. There's many, many recordings of the Bible that are already uploaded on various websites. Again, I went back to LibriVox.com. And these are all copyright-free recordings. And so I started picking out the many, many, many quotations that David had cited in his book. That was a lot of work, just finding them. <laughs> and then I did the same. I had By that time, I had built up a library of whatever Baha'i writings that people had recorded on various websites. So I had a little library there, and some of the quotes were there. But the hardest part you guessed it, was finding the Baha'i writings that were recorded. In some cases, I just wrote people that I knew that had good voices and had access to decent recording equipment. And I just asked them, would you read this, this, and this? And to my surprise, everybody said yes. There was like 100 pieces of writings that I needed. So I was able to collect about 20 from my little library that I already had. I mean, stuff that William Sears had read <laughs> back in the 70s, oh, wow. you know, old stuff. You know, Bill Sears had a good voice. So just to give a little background there. So Bill Sears, he was a television personality probably in the mid-20th century. I think his show was called In the Park. And he became a Baha'i at that time and was a well-known Baha'i uh, among the Baha'i community and well-loved. He had a heart of gold. So everybody has a special place in their heart for, for Bill Sears. But you're right. He came from that world. Yeah. You know. He had some excellent recordings right. that we still have. So anyway, mm -hmm. I, I scoured my own library of Baha'i quotes, and I scoured LibriVox for things from the Bible. I begged people to send me stuff, and they did. But I still had a bunch of holes of, again, they were writings from Baha'i writings. So there was an international Baha'i conference in Orlando, which isn't that far from me. So I went to it just expressly to grab people <laughs> and ask them to read for me. So I was able to, over about four or five days, grab enough people and have them read something for me. And they were able to do that. And so I had all my quotes. So then I just started putting them all together. And it mirrors exactly what David's book says. So the audio version was released under the auspices of the, the National Spiritual Assembly of the Baha'is of the Mariana Islands. 
Um, mm. this, this whole project mm -hmm. just goes to illustrate the need for more people to record and publish what I call well-crafted productions of Baha'i-related audio. More is starting to come out, yeah. but we need more, mm -hmm. and in a lot more, right. la lot more languages. And this is really is right. my, my biggest goal, is to inspire people to record more content and make it available, especially mm -hmm. to those with earbuds. Do you want to introduce the sample from The Second Coming? The reason I picked that particular selection is it kind of shows Mary's voice, which anchors the whole piece, and then it has different voices coming in to show how I handled the quotes that were both from the uh, Bible and the Baha'i writings. Okay, so this is an excerpt from The Second Coming. It's called The Second Coming, Understanding the Biblical Evidence that Christ Has Returned. How's that for a short Very title? Good. Chapter 16, The Book Unsealed. The Bible states that the meaning of Scripture is sealed until the last times. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. Do not judge anything before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the motives of hearts. Then each will receive recognition from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. The New Testament tells us who will open the seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Revelation chapter 5, verses 2 and 5. Baha'u'llah is a direct descendant of King David and from the tribe of Judah. See chapter 17. Baha'u'llah has unsealed the book with one of his major writings, the Book of Certitude. The book was a response to questions posed to Baha'u'llah, who wrote it within the space of 48 hours. This book broke the seals of the book referred to by Daniel and disclosed the meaning of the words destined to remain closed up till the time of the end. God passes by, page 139. I guess, Lisa, folks can find all of these works on CafeBahai.com? Correct. Maybe you could give us a picture of what one would find on CafeBahai.com when they approach the website. If you go to CafeBahai.com, you'll see a, like a catalog page. And that's a kind of a listing of everything I have. Um, and I put a couple freebies in there, too. I mean, I'm, I'm charging for them, but it's a very ex inexpensive. I mean, Spiritual Journeys itself runs four hours. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a lot of material for very little money. And I just want to help recoup some of the mm -hmm. costs involved in, in hiring somebody to design my website and so on. But there's Spiritual Journeys, which is, again, the, the best of a Baha'i perspective. I have The Second Coming I have on there some other smaller pieces, 
from a Christian perspective. I used a lot of the material from Ray Estes, who you interviewed early in your podcast career, and a number of other people from a Christian background that you interviewed that later became Baha'is and explained that process of how they went from one to the next. The material I put together, I wanted it to appeal to Baha'is, but also especially to Christian friends of theirs. Because a lot of people, especially, you know, second generation Baha'is may not know their, their Bible very well, and it's difficult for them to make that transition to help their Christian friends understand who Baha'u'llah is. That's the kind of material I, I tended to focus on. The most recent audiobook I finished, I actually did on behalf of Justice St. Rain, who you also had interviewed earlier. He had written this essay called Tell Me About Baha'u'llah which was trying to explain to a Christian audience who Baha'u'llah was and how Christ and Baha'u'llah were related. And he did such a wonderful job with that book that I asked him, I says, hey, Jay, <laughs> why don't you um, record this for me? And he says, you know, I, I was thinking about doing that. So I sent him my recorder and he, he recorded And he did a very good job and I made him sound really good. Mm-hmm. And then we also mm-hmm. added... Mm-hmm some music that he had acquired a while back. It was a good fit. You've mentioned now a couple of times how you've been able to make people sound good, and I'm curious <laughs> how you're able to do that when people might not have the best recording equipment. You have a fairly sophisticated setup to do this kind of work? You know, people have said, boy, you must have a nice studio, and all I have is a pair of headphones and a, and a laptop. I actually use open source software out there. It's called Audacity. You can download it for free. Anybody can use it. But doing all these little projects for the years, I got really good at it. And Audacity has a good filtering system. You can take out a hum. You can take out hisses. You can change the pitch if you, you know, here and there. Um, just play with the sound of it a little bit. And it was kind of challenging with, with some of your recordings, Warren, because, you know, it had such a telephony sound to it. Well, yeah, a lot of my interviews were over the telephone yeah. at the time. so And I found that really uh, annoying. So I kind of was able to change the pitch a little bit mm-hmm. so it's not as obvious, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You have to take out the ums and the ums and the ahs. So, Lisa, where do you go from here with your work? Well, my main goal was to get Anna's presentation together. Again, I call that Spiritual Journeys and some other materials, the audiobooks. I want to produce other audiobooks for people, especially Baha'i authors who have uh, shorter books. <laughs> and they're most welcome to approach me about that. I have a couple of people who want to read for me. We just need something for them to read. So I, mm. I really want to do more audiobooks. Not so much the writings themselves, because people who are more talented are doing that material. So I don't want to do that. People just mm-hmm. talking about the faith in various ways, sort of like Justice did with his Tell Me About Baha'u'llah, sort of commentary. I would like to do more of that kind of material. I did start Shoghi Effendi's book, The Promised Day Has Come, but I have to redo it because one of the voices I decided I didn't like. So Shoghi Effendi is the grandson of Abdu'l-Bahá, who was what we called the guardian of the Baha'i faith from about 19... 19- 20s to 1957, when which he passed away. And so there are a lot of writings by Shoghi Effendi, who was educated at Oxford. 
even though he was born from a Persian family, his English was perfect, extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. So you think writing is behind you and audio is the work of Lisa Moray for the future? Full steam ahead. Lisa, I want to thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lisa Moray, creator of Cafe Baha'i and creator of audiobooks. You can find her work at cafebaha'i.com. You can find this interview and other interviews at abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
Come on all you glory boys and hoist your banners high Pillars of the light are shining from the Persian sky The people are awaiting to hear the author's fame And help us all proclaim the greatest name Come on all you ladies and let love adorn your face For now it has been written that you take your rightful place A bird with only one wing surely will be lame And help us all proclaim the greatest name Has given men a choice And the hearts of desert people Surely will see rain Help us all proclaim the greatest name
fail to think and even to believe in something more than what they're told to be. The earth and the sky, the wind and the waves and the trees. I dream of a land where no one has to die because of the way they choose to live their lives. All my thoughts can only live in the stream. The land I knew is falling apart at the seams. Nora na mosh, get ya na ko. Hamish has na palat. Dream of a land where no one lives in fear. The one they love would suddenly disappear, and I never knew what I left behind would turn into something I wouldn't recognize. You're well equipped, spiritual battleship. Farm of friendship, you never trip like a child. You skip along the path of peace until the scales tip. They try to strip you of nobility, but they're foolish, see, because your purity streams from your lips. See the end in the beginning, the beginning and the end. In the enemy, find a brother, in the stranger, find a friend. I never had to live those words quite like you do, or my faith defend. But you inspire me to pick up a pen and write verses. Though this is rehearsals from the heart, the world bursts, bits at the seams and falls apart. But through long suffering, you're building the whole thing in you. I want to tell the world about the struggle that you're going through. I know you're going through hardship. I pray to the blessed beauty that he never lets your heart slip. 
the enemy, he's got a harsh grip. But when it's got the flips, the script, you're well equipped. Spiritual battleship, bond with friendship. You never trip like a child. You skip along the path of peace until the scales tip. They try to strip you of nobility, but they're foolish. Cause your purity streams from your lips. Yo, they can't see that you've been free since you believe. Only fooling themselves when they think you're in captivity. But love is the greatest weapon, it refuses to fight. Only knows how to bring us closer and to show us the light. The guides in darkness when all you see is heartless cruelty. Mirror forth his beauty, and I know of a certainty that his providence is disguised as calamity. So after the crisis, there'll always come a victory. I know you're going through hardship. I pray to the blessed beauty that he never lets your heart slip. The enemy, he's got a harsh grip. But when it's got the flips, the script, you're well equipped. Spiritual battleship, bond with friendship. You never trip like a child. You skip along the path of peace until the scales. They try to strip you of nobility. But they're foolish, see, because your purity streams from your lips. I know you're going through hardship, hardship, hardship. I know you're going through hardship, hardship, hardship. I know you're going through hardship. Spirits on this road. 
forgive me, yeah, for seeking any comfort except thy nearness or any delight besides thy good pleasure. Any delight besides. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.